Welcome, 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 everyone. This is You've Championed Yourself, Who Are You? podcast. I am Chris Ferguson, your host, and it's always been a dream of mine to showcase people who have taken their dreams, their ideas, and turned it into their reality. That takes a lot out of a person. As they reach beyond their personal struggles or pains, so many people give up and lose hope. There are so many who can walk through their obstacles and their challenges, not knowing where it takes them or how they're going to get there. They trust themselves enough not to give up, to do the follow through in their personal life, their career, and in relationships. These are champions. They've championed themselves. Today, my guest is Linda and David Hack. Um, We're going to interview Linda first. She's an amazing, amazing lady. She has done so much in her life. And I want to pull her up. And so we can start having that that conversation that people are talking more about nowadays than they have ever in the past. And that is why she is so important to humanity in, in it all. Hi, Linda. How are you? Hello, everybody. <laughs> there's my camera. There um, it is. Oh, absolutely. Um, Linda, you, um, let's start out with the awesome, awesome ahas. Let's talk about your book, Light Language. Okay. Let's get it in the camera. I'm not real good at this. Hold it it still because it's blurry. Just pull it back a little bit. Okay. There you go. There you go. The world of psychic mediums and spirits. I look, but most important is the subtitle. A look inside from the outside, and that is because it's, it's, it's fuzzy, Linda. It wasn't. It, I couldn't read the the small print. Okay. Well, yeah, it's too. So yeah, yeah. it's okay. But it's an amazing. It's an amazing book. I actually have this book, so I want everybody to know that I'm. I've got a, like a little inside inside information. I've been following Linda for some time now. Yes, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. And. Let's, what inspired you to write this book? Oh, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't write the book. I am a co-author of the book. I am the basically the material that my husband decided to write the book about because he was a novice. He had no idea what I was doing. He had uh, no past experiences. And he watched me unfold like a rose from a distance. Mm-hmm. And... He just started watching and watching and watching, and he was very, very supportive. He was like my right hand. Anything that anybody, any any of your audience has ever read that I've written, it, it, it would have never made it if it hadn't been for my husband. So I would write it in the dark, and my husband would look at it the next day, and he would make it more eloquent. He wouldn't change anything about it, but he would correct my spelling and correct my punctuation, which I... I'm not very good at. It's one of my weaknesses. And as he was reading all of this stuff that was being channeled through me, it started changing his view and he started investigating it. And he had, he's retired and he had talked about writing a book at one time. And in a very short span of a time, three different people brought up, well, what about this book you were going to write? And my husband is a civil war buff. Mm -hmm. And so when he began writing a book, he decided he was going to write a book. I just assumed the book was going to be on the Civil War, and so did everybody else. All of our family did, his colleagues did. But then we started getting these books in the mail that he was ordering to do research. 
And so finally I said to him, what are you writing the book on? He goes, well, basically it's about you and your spirituality. And he spent a good year just ordering different books and reading about it and studying about it. His mind is phenomenal. It blows me away all the time. And he began writing this book. And so the first half of the book is teaching people who are unaware of spirituality, um, have maybe dabbled in it or heard about it or were unfamiliar, um, and, and, and really pulling out the difference between religion and, and spirituality. And then the second half of the book, he talks about my walk and my unfolding and the things that have happened to me um, over the last five or six years. So that's where the book. So me being a co-writer, I'm the subject matter kind of like and created the, the desire for him to write the book. So that's about how co I am. <laughs> but a lot of in the second half of the book, all my a lot of my writings um, are in the book. All the uh, channeled writings that I had are in the book. So I think that's where he considered me his co-writer. <laughs> so, oh, I did write those. Anyway, he cleaned them up for me so I could publish them. <laughs> I uh, I love the fact that you have your, your biggest supporter is your husband because so is mine. He's yeah. he's that devout little Catholic boy and here I'm this uh, this spiritual shamanic practitioner for 40 years and he calls it his, I'm his little voodoo hoodoo one. And <laughs> so again, I, that's why I was laughing in, in it. And he is also, I've called him the grammar police because he'll come in and he will hit my stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. I know I got something right. A comma or something. So I was laughing at that. So that was that inner, inner story. Um, I love the fact that you guys did this together as, as, uh, co-authors really both of you and brought this this knowledge to the universe because right now we need more love and more light in this in our country we need more um, tolerance we need more love and we need more less indifference and we need to come together as one because we're all connected let's just be real oh yeah yep most so, definitely we're all one go, go ahead go ahead i'm sorry no that was it <laughs> okay um, I wanted to talk about the power and the purpose of your light language, because I, I will tell a story after you're done talking and, and, and we can discuss that. But um, how did you learn light language? How did it come to you? Oh, wow. Um, oh, um, let's back up a, one story. What is light language? Okay. And then how it came to you. Yes, there okay. we go. Um Light language is a universal language. It's a soul language that is brought into the person through what I believe to be, now this is just my belief, uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, and the language is also called soul language. Actually, it's called the true, true identity. is called speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. Um it's been over the years, it's been softened by using the terminology, light language, soul language, language of love, you know, all the different acronyms that we have for it, but it's basically is speaking in tongues. And it's a direct connection between you and your higher powers, yourself, um, not only your higher powers, such as in source, in my opinion, is source, God, okay? It's also uh, a direct connection to your higher self and your higher self can speak through when I 
when I channel other people and I channel uh, while I'm doing uh, my mediumship, for instance, and I'm doing a session, I always begin my sessions with light language. And I always tap into the energy of the sitter, the client who I'm having the session with. Um, I ask them to please invite me into their energy space. And when they do that um, and their higher selves allow me to step into their energy space, then they're receiving, I am just, I become just a vessel for their light language to travel through. And that light language can be coming from their higher self sources, loved ones that might be in spirit. Okay. So, and it, it's not for your mind. And I think it, it speaks to your soul. It's, it's a language directly to your soul. And it also allows people to heal with it. You can heal people with it. You can, um, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. So, so you can heal with it and speak your own private prayer with it. Um, like I use most of mine when I went through challenging times. Let's just face it, even, even as Christians, the time we pray the most, right, is when we're going through difficulties, right? Mm -hmm. Things aren't going right and we don't know what to do. So we, we start praying, right? The, things are going nice. We just go out and have a drink and visit our friends and all that kind of stuff. But when things are stressful, we begin praying and asking for help. Well, with the light language, you have the opportunity to speak directly to God through your light language. And oftentimes when you're going through strife and stress, you don't know what to ask for. You're just so baffled and, and you're in so much pain and so much discomfort and confusion that you really don't know what to ask for in a prayer. So with the light language, you just kind of let it flow. You sit back and you take a couple of deep breaths and you let it flow. And you're speaking directly to what I feel is your higher source, your higher power, your higher self, who are there to help you through because your higher self have already been through everything that you're going through. So they can be helpful in that manner. Um, now, how I began speaking it is another story. I was only 12 years old mm, when I began speaking. That's right. Yeah. I was at a Pentecostal church with my grand great-grandmother, who in her younger days was a Pentecostal preacher. And this was in Los Angeles at the um, Amy McPherson's Foursquare Church. This story, I believe, is also in the book. And um, I had gone there many times with her on Sundays and on Wednesdays uh, evening services. And as any 11, 12-year-old would be, you know, you're fiddled with a hymnal, you're kicking back at somebody's chair, you're picking your nose, doing all these crazy things, right? Because you're 11, 12 years old. Right. But this particular day, I, I I was sitting right next to her, and all of a sudden, I just felt that I felt like a. It, it's when they're doing the uh, what do they call them? invitationals at the end of the sermon. He's already spoke, and they have music that just tugs at your heart and comes on, right? But for some reason, it it affected me totally different this day, and I actually it actually felt like my my real heart my. Oregon heart was just swelling inside my chest and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I was taking deeper breaths and I was my mind was telling me to go down to the front it was my mind was telling me it's time for you to go down to the front and just about that same time and I'm fighting it right my grandma taps me on the knee as if she could hear every thought that I had in my mind and she said it's okay it's your time you need to go down 
and she encouraged me to go down. So I went down and the minister goes through the, the line of people that have come down there and then they have the deacons or whatever they're called that stand behind you. And the minister came up to me and was speaking in tongues and he just lightly touched my forehead and I went straight down into this person's arms who laid me gently on the floor. I have no idea where I went. I had no idea how far, how long, but when I woke up, I was speaking in tongues. Wow. I love and that really ever since I had no idea what its purpose was, but I do remember going to church after that. And, um, on the Wednesday nights, especially a lot of people, adults would like, and I'd heard it before, obviously would all of a sudden stand up and start speaking it. Right. And then somebody else in the audience would start interpreting it or telling everybody what they think this, this person was saying. So I thought, oh, you know, I'm a kid, but I can do that too. It's like a trick, right? So all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm my grandmother's going, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's like, you have to, you have to learn how to control that. You don't just burst out into your your speaking in tongues. You you must learn how to control it. And then after that, I went home to uh, San Diego, and I don't think anybody in my household ever knew that I was touched by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe, and if my grandmother did tell my mother, my mother never mentioned it. She never asked me anything about it. And I just went on with my life. But I, I truly, truly believe that I was touched because the path that I had chosen to take in this lifetime was gonna have many temptations on it. But my true purpose for being here is what's happening now in my life. And I believe that the Holy Spirit didn't want me to get sidetracked Mm -hmm. by these other temptations that were going to come across my path. Mm -hmm. And this is, it's, it was this way of protecting me. It gave me great intuition. When, when something was about to happen, I could sense which direction to go with it. I could sense, no, this is not where you need to be. I could sense, no, this is not right. And maybe as if I hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have had that great intu intu intuition that kept me on the right path. And I, I do believe that this, that my purpose in life at the time that I began to share my light language was through um, um, channeling Eric, I met a healer called Audie Heron. And I had talked to Audie Heron on phone and I told him I had never told anybody about my light language, which was speaking in tongues. And he said to me that if you were gifted this at the age of, or Actually, he didn't use that term. He said, if your abilities came forward at the age of 12, he says, it wasn't just for you. There's a purpose for that. You have to share it. And right away, I was like, oh, no, people are going to think I'm crazy. No, I can't share it. And he goes, you need to share it. And then it wasn't too long after that that he passed away. And he came to me in a dream. And he said, okay, it's time for you to move forward. You have to step out of your comfort zone and you have to share it. So a small group of women had created uh, a little group called Audie's Angels. And um, there was like 20 of us, including Audie, um, who had already passed away at this point. But I made a recording and I sent it to them. Each And those, all their response to that is also in this book. It's in this book as well, how they responded after they listened to my light language. And then each one of them came to me. Not I can't say each, every one of them, but they, they came to me and they, they sent me this information, oh my God, I saw colors, I got tingles, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. So it was like my confirmation knowing, oh, 
okay, then there is something to this. And um, I, so I began doing sessions with them. They said, well, can you do this just for me? And that's when my ability to channel spirits came through. Once I stepped out of the comfort zone to share my light language, then it was that. But at that time, the, the main point I think here is that at that time on Facebook, nobody was really doing it. There was one one girl and there was one girl in the group who knew that it was speaking in tongues and she had done it herself as a child. Her name is Carol. Her story's in there. She's partially deaf. And, and she contacted me right away and she says, Linda, you have to teach this. And I'm like, how can I teach something that was given to me? And I never got up and you know, it was there. And so I didn't do any what I didn't pursue it. But then I slowly, step by step, step by step, started sharing it. And then I realized what I was doing is activating other people's ability because we all are born with the ability to do it. And all are born. Yes. Well, I want to tell my story about you with okay. me. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. You, you talked about activation. Is there, it yep. was the trigger word here. Yep. Um, I have been, um, I've had my own little interesting times in life. I had a near death experience at four. I drank some chemical liquids under the sink because I was hungry. I drank this pink liquid and it just happened to be liquid Drano. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and so I flatlined. I flatlined. They brought me back twice. I flatlined again. And then I came back and I kept staring down at this bed. And I, I was four years old. I couldn't comprehend anything. But after I overcame this drinking of this toxic fluid and getting my system flushed out, I always had these uh, quote unquote un imaginary friends, but they weren't imaginary to me. They, they were yeah. different people. It was people coming to me because I could see them and I was pure and innocent. So they were attracted to me. I didn't know that then. So as life went by, I had another near death experience at 15. And, but backing up, my dad's native American, my mother's white and they both abandoned six kids into an orphanage and I was eight. Oh, wow. So me and my imaginary friends went non-auditorial. We just didn't speak. They said, Shh, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. You know, they, 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 I just, they thought I was retarded or stupid. I mean, that was the word they used then. That's not a word that they use nowadays. And I was bullied. I was beat up. I was almost murdered by two girls out there. And so at that point at 15, I kept hearing this language and I'd want to just shout it out and I couldn't voice it. So then I went on through life. 22, I had cancer. Um, I had a head on car collision. 2012. Now you're, you're hearing all these, these massive traumas and injuries and stuff going on. But in what, in 2012, I thought I was having a heart attack and I went to the hospital and they said, your heart's fine, but we have to admit you. And I said, really, what's wrong? And they said, you have two pulmonary embolisms, one in each lung. Oh, wow. And most people don't survive one. And here I have two. In fact, my mother-in-law passed away from a, a pulmonary embolism. So I, I just kind of like went into this, this zone, I guess. It was shock. I, it, to call yeah. it, right? it was shock. And I spent a week in the hospital till they could get me therapeutic. And I came home and my niece had disappeared. She fell off the planet. And I... I, I said, you know, I, I've got to go to Florida. I've got to go visit my best friend. She lives in Orlando. Amazing person. I was talking to another lady who's Navajo up in 
North Dakota. And she's like, Chris, you've got light language. I can feel it. And you just speak it, just speak it, just speak it. Go to the ocean when you go down there, get in the salt water and just start talking to the wells and the sharks and everything else. And I couldn't, I just, I just, I didn't know what my hangup was. I didn't know what the issues were. And then as we were coming back to Tennessee, my husband and I, I was sitting, we were sitting in a restaurant and I had put my earbuds on it and you were speaking on Facebook. And you said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't try so hard. Don't try so hard. And it's not what, it's not your job to interpret it for everybody else. It's for them to feel it and, and receive the energy of it and just release. And I'm sitting in this, in this restaurant. I lean over to my husband and I start talking on light language and I'm going, oh, he looks at me and he goes, what the hell are you doing? So from that point on, since 2012, I've just been this, this light language person. I actually drum and, and speak light language at the same time. And so, but when I was back up to eight, I gave up on Christianity because the priest was the one that told my mother, you know, you, a woman, you, you know, this was back in the sixties. Now you have to understand the time and the era. A woman couldn't work and have six kids. There's just no way you can't do this. And women don't work. So you've really got a problem. So we'll help you. And that was the alternative. Uh, take your kids away. <laughs> well, they didn't take us away. She relinquished us. So, yeah. I mean, it was totally different. When If it would have been, you know, we're going to take your children away. That would have at least given me some understanding that she cared and wanted us. But when you just hand them over and say, here, take them. And then the last word she said to the matron at the orphanage, she goes, you better watch them. They're heathens just like your father. Mm. And so being out in Colorado in the 60s, that was like being black in the South. Whether you were partial or full, it didn't matter. If you were Native American, they just they just started doing all the craziness. But anyway, coming back to modern day times, it's because of all those incidents in my life is where I'm at today. Because I've been in law enforcement for 40 years. And of the 40 years, I've 21 years have been dealing with troubled youth. Oh, wow. And, and so my passion and purpose at that time that I didn't know about was to pay it forward for the things that I went through to help be that guidance, to be that support at a high school as a security specialist in South Florida. Um, and I worked gangs on the street in Miami-Dade and Broward County. I didn't carry a weapon. I didn't feel I needed one because I knew I was protected by the creator but at the same time, I worked with the Multi-Agency Gang Task Force, being a part of the Juvenile Delinquency and Gang Prevention Council. And I could, I'm, I'm like this kid uh, whisperer. I can talk to kids no matter who you are and get down because they know I'm real. They know I'm, I'm truthful. But the purpose of light language has helped me since then. It's helped me become more intuitive. It's helped me become more of a healer, an energy healer. It's helped me become more of who I am today. Um, so as a fellow author, I applaud you for this book I, because it's so hard to get a book published and out to the public. So that's why I said, you know, when I started doing this podcast, it's this has been my passion, my purpose is to showcase people and how they come and get through life and make a difference in other people's lives. Yes. And they do it from the heart. They do it with no expectations. And when that happened, I says, I've got to contact Linda. Oh, that's a wonderful story. Thank you so much. <laughs> so again, it was, I attribute you 
for me learning how to speak light language because you gave me that secret that I was missing or uh, approaching my fears that I had about it or my apprehensions and step forward. But you're also a spiritual medium, aren't you? Uh-huh. And yes. so did that have to do with light language or did that come about a different way? Um, absolutely not. It had everything to do with me stepping out of my comfort zone and sharing my light language with others, which is really, truly what I believe was the purpose for me to be here and the purpose for me receiving when I did and um, was to share, to um, enlighten the world with the light language. Um, and I, I encourage other people on my web, on my website and in, in my website or when I, whenever I do any kind of lives or whatever, I always encourage them if they are speaking to light language, please share your light language because my light language can activate some people. Their light language can activate other people. Mine might not activate. You know, somebody may have listened to me a thousand times and they still aren't speaking light language and they may listen to somebody else one time and all of a sudden they're speaking light language or like what happened to you. The words that you've expressed to somebody just it's like the final key to unlock the lock, yes. you know, mm-hmm. so you you want to share the, that ability and activate other people. And I believe at this time, because the earth is going through so much that we are going through so much and we can't even call it the U.S. anymore. We're talking about the world. Mm-hmm. And now with the Internet and, and the opportunity to go around the world, I have clients all over the world. And there are people that I that I have had sessions with that now are speaking light language to their friends and in their groups. And I'm kind of like a mama, mama bear, you know, all of a sudden I'll see somebody post something that they're doing. And I know that they were one of my babies, basically. And I, I just and it doesn't really happen. You get to plant the seed, but you don't always get to see the harvest. Right. Right. But you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay that you're not here to, and and I'm not here to pat myself on the back. I'm not here to take any type of glorification for anything for, for anybody. But it's so nice when I do get, or I, I get um, an email from somebody or a text message from somebody saying, oh my God, I listened to you two years ago. I, I, I've been waiting. I never thought it would ever happen to me, but I was taking a bath and blah, 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 you know. And and it's really good to hear those. It's it's good as a person and a spiritual person to, um, to hear the response of other people. But I, I must say that I do feel like that my light language has gone out so far into so many different areas throughout the world that I definitely... Have an, uh, am an instrument of higher powers. That's what I have been. As a matter of fact, over the last year or so, I've stepped back through COVID because I feel like a lot of my work is done. I feel like as far as getting everybody out there and getting people, and when I say everybody, I don't mean every person in the world. So, mm-hmm. But the people that have grasped hold of it and are creating mm-hmm. their own worlds around their own spirituality and reaching out to other people, that's what... I, I, that's what my my job was to do, and I felt like I I've done that. So I don't advertise a whole lot. My website is always there, and I I still do sessions. But it was stepping out of that comfort zone and sharing my light language. I shared the light language. I got responses from people. People wanted to have private sessions with and get light language. And it was during my first one. I don't know if you know the young woman named Jeannie Hall or not. If you've come across her name, but I don't think I have. 
she um, was in our, our little group and I she was probably about the third person that I did that I shared my light language with one-on-one -on -one through video a live video right through Skype yeah. and um, during that process while I was speaking the light language to her she had like a, a bookcase next to her and it was really really dark in color and all of a sudden there was like this white looked like a cloud and it kept moving around it was just moving and moving and then I noticed that I was seeing profiles and it was like a profile of a man and I didn't know anything about her personal life and uh, it, I got one side and then I got the other side and then all of a sudden I for the first time this is the first time I remember going out to my head and going oh my god you're not gonna believe what just happened to me but I started hearing these words and in my mind, I'm, I'm all of a sudden there's like, and when I say hearing these words, I don't mean that it was like a voice talking in my ear. It's more like mental telepathy with me that the thoughts come to my mind, right? But I knew there was something different about it. There was a different energy and I had no idea what energy even meant at that point. But my intuition told me there was something different about it. So I hear the words, mama is love. So after I finished with her, I asked her, I said, Jeannie, I've got to ask you this. What does this mean? Do these words mean anything at all to you? And so I told her what the words were, and all of a sudden she started crying. And one of those mournful cries that comes all the way from the bottom of your belly up. And I'm sitting on the other side of the screen going, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Exactly. That's just how I felt. I went, oh, my God, I wanted to just reach in and grab her and hold her. You know, I didn't know what I did. So when she finally calmed down and she said to me that her son, who was uh, 50, age 50 at the time, he worked with his father and he'd come to their house every morning. And he would come up to her when she was cooking the breakfast. She made them breakfast every morning. Good Southern girl, right? And and, <laughs> uh, and and she would, he would come up and she said he always would come up behind me and wrap his arms around me and whisper those words in my ear. Uh, and he had passed away eight months earlier. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time I realized that spirits were coming to me. They were seeing my light and they were going to use me to contact the ones that they love. Mm -hmm. And it just kept growing from there and there and there and there. And that's how I, I was able to classify myself then as a spiritual medium. I don't do card tricks. I don't, I don't mean tarot cards or that kind of stuff. That's not what I mean. But I, I, I don't want to go to a party house and be the party present for everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's going to give you a reading. She's going to give you a read. That's not it. I'm I'm a spiritual. I I, I counsel them when um, their loved ones come through and have messages for them. I help them understand the messages. So even though I don't have a plaque hanging on the wall saying that I graduated as a counselor or anything, <laughs> it's, it's part of being uh, a medium. You know, mm -hmm. these messages come through, and you and not only that, it's your life experiences. The most ironic thing about it was that people that were coming to me for sessions, medium sessions, and like experiences in life. Yeah. And the experiences that have made some people just drop to their knees, even me at times in my life, I was able to help them understand. I was able to help them look at things from different perspectives. Like I had a terrible relationship with my mother and a painful relationship with my mother. And I get a lot of people that either they've had that type of relationship with their mother or with their father or with a sister or with a brother. Right. But because of all the channeling that I've done, I've also come to learn that I was given the ability to see people plan out their life plan before incarnating. Mm -hmm. 
into their next life. And I am like it by sitting around a table and having these little orbs. This is the visions I get, the little orbs around the table and saying, okay, who's going to be my mom? Who's going to be my dad? Who's going to be my sister? Who's going to be my brother? Who's going to be the jokes that I get? You know, the one that really teaches me what love is about. All these different things that are on this platter. I'm going to do all these things in this lifetime, right? And your guide standing right behind you saying, oh, you're asking for an awful lot of you. You don't want to move them off. You know? <laughs> no. But I'm able to reach them and let them know that that last person, the one that the, the last person or the first person that puts up their hand, that's going to play the most difficult part in your life. I always felt like loved you the most because they were willing, they were willing to sacrifice themselves in human form to be your tormentor so that you could learn what it is you're coming here to learn. How can you not love a soul if you look at it from perspective? Well, as my eight-year-old child and inner self would say, I didn't understand why, I didn't understand how, and I didn't understand, but I wouldn't change anything from what I went through. But there was a lot of a lot of anger for many years oh, yeah. her because of it. Mm -hmm. And she did some whacked out stuff. I just really she was she was really off the chain. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how did I pick that for a mother? How did I pick that? You know, couldn't I get somebody, you know, was I that much of a problem child that I needed to have this this in my life? Those were the questions I was asking myself yep. when I started my shamanic practice. And so the fact was, is I was just like, oh, my gosh, this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I just kept saying, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, as time comes up, I, I have made peace. I've forgiven myself. And mm -hmm. I've forgiven her for everything that she's done. I don't know that I would want that energy in my life ever again. And if nothing else, it taught me to protect myself because I became very angry and I was very physically, physically strong. So yeah. to protect myself. So I, I get, I absolutely get that. And I love the way you explained it yeah. because so many people don't get it that way. No, they don't get it. And, you know, most of the time what I get was, why would I have ever chosen this for myself? Well, mm -hmm. thing is, when you're going through all of this, you don't know why you chose it for yourself. But once you can come to terms, and this is the way I believe that I've chosen all of this for myself, there's a purpose for, for me going through all of these steps in life. I, I may not understand it at the time that I'm going through it, and most mm -hmm. definitely didn't, especially as a child. I do know that I, I would hear my mother crying in the next room, especially after a very difficult day with me. And I never understood. The rest of the children were treated totally different than I was in our household. Everybody loved my mother. My mother, my mother was a gorgeous woman. She'd walk into a room. All eyes would land on her. And I remember standing back going, can't they see her for what she really is? You know, as a child, I used to do that. And even as a young woman, because every animal would go to her, every baby would go to her, you know. Because that was her true soul spirit. She made, a, she, she made a contract, a life contract with me that was totally off the grid. I would hear her crying in her room. And as a child, you're always still looking for that little bit of uh, um, my mommy really does love me kind of feeling. You know, you still want that from her. And I, I would lay in bed and cry because I could hear her crying. And I never understood why she was crying. But I know that most of the times that that happened, it was after a very volatile day that she had with me. And um, after her death is when it all started making sense. 
And it wasn't so much that she came to me and explained it to me as much as it was me doing sessions with other people and hearing from spirits from, from the other side of the veil that it all started making sense to me. And um, she, she did have, that was her soul. That is who she was. So when she turned into this other person and she'd have a terrible day with me, she never understood why she treated me the way she treated me because it just wasn't her. But that's what she did because she made me a promise before both of us. That's the confusing part. Everybody's, well, my mother was already born, right? <laughs> and it is a very confusing part. And a lot of people yeah. um, don't realize is that they don't, get, after they have those traumas, they hide their inner child. Yeah. And it's that inner child that actually can save you in the end. It's going within. Yeah, I saw, mine. I saw mine when I was about 32. <laughs> My inner child. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted to do that, didn't I? Okay, yeah, yeah I got that. Exactly, but, exactly. But the, what yet? What the what the your audience needs to understand is the way I believe is that you know a piece of us always remains on the other side, and a piece of us always remains in soul, and it's that soul that is going to or that makes the agreement with us when we come in. Even though mom was already born long before I was, obviously, and so was dad that part of the soul was still there. I, mean, I was choosing them to be my parents so that they could fulfill that which I wanted to experience in this lifetime. And that that's hard for people to understand as well as it's hard for them to understand why would I ever want to go through this? I mean, I have my own children that ask themselves that question. My, I also have children who speak in light language. So, which I didn't know. They shared, oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you know, so I passed it down. <laughs> Can't take credit for that. I can take credit for that. <laughs> I, I I love that. My daughter is very spiritual also, and she has her own rituals and practices that she does. So, and it, we actually, my husband and I, him being Catholic and me being um, a shamanic practitioner, I practice Native American spirituality, but I also practice shamanic. And I did shamanic before because I didn't have any guidance with the Native American. Because back in back in the sixties, being in the orphanage, one they weren't going to do that uh take me to a reservation so i could learn how to speak you know and and learn or have a mentor but the other thing was is that in those times of the 60s native americans didn't trust anybody unless you were full-blooded mm -hmm. and so there was there was many and i was like why how come i had to be half why couldn't i be full because you know the life would be so much easier i could have had a mentor who knows where i would be you know and then it was like, okay, well, it's not to be, so let's just move on. Yeah. And so, you know, move on. Yeah. But um, Linda, when you um, work with somebody mm -hmm. as a client, and you, do you ever get messages from your spirits while they're you're, you're with a client that's for you and not for the client? No, because I'm working in their energy field, not mine. Well, I guess it's kind of mine, but I merged them together. And it's it's really amazing how it happens because I asked them to allow me just they close your eyes and just mentally say Linda's allowed to come into my energy space and I can feel it coming in. It is just it's an amazing feeling, you know, and I can feel it coming in. And I feel a, a tightness like somebody just put a band around my forehead. I can feel my crown chakra opening up and accepting it. And I can feel the energy coming down over my entire body. And I, I, I can pull it down to where I want it. And, and I 
once it hits my heart space, that's when the light language begins. And I get a lot of I, I get a lot of messages during the light language about the subject matter that they're they're either their higher self or their loved ones want to discuss. Um, most of the time, once the light language is over, I just tell them what I received for them, and they're like. And then I'll ask them if they have any questions. They're like, no, you just answered all of them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, those are all the questions that I had. You've just answered all of my questions. And I said, okay, well, let's come apart. We'll go a little bit deeper. See if you have any anything else to to say, or I'll I'll bring them forward, or I'll go to a past life um, that might be influencing this life. And that's kind of neat how that happens. I I see like an eight millimeter film with the little tiny squares on it. And, and I see it going reel to reel. That's what my vision is. And then all of a sudden it'll stop. In the beginning, I could just see it. And like, I could tell them what they were wearing. I could tell them, you know, where they might be standing or whatever. And as I kept continued doing it more and more and more, I was able to step into it actually and look around like 190 days. I could see what was up the street. I could see both ways. So I could tell them even more about a past life and I'll explain to them what happened to them and how they may have died in that past life. And then they come back to me and they say, oh my God, then that makes sense. Why say for instance, somebody died because spiders ate them, let's just say, and they're mortified and petrified of spiders in this lifetime. Now they know why. Once you know the why, it makes it easier to deal with that is a lot of people are able to release fears and misunderstandings once they learn that this is like a bleed through from the life that they've lived and all those lives are still part of their energy field so something's bleeding through and 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 we're able to ask it to leave we're able to close it off you know to help them i had one woman that was mortified of snakes and found out that she as a young young girl stepped in front of a one of those like mighty python types they were they were playing uh, the whole vision that i got they were playing her and about three other kids were playing on the on on a water um like a little like a boa constrictor kind of thing. Like, like a, yes like a no it, yeah no it was something that would eat them um anyway but they were playing and oh, this geez. saw the snake that soul saw the snake coming towards a little child and she had offered herself up to the snake to prevent the child from being taken. And that's why she was so afraid of snakes. And she happened to buy property in Port St. Lucie that was infested with snakes. So she had to face her fear. Right. So, so she said, you know, she talks to me now and she goes, I, I'm still a little, uh, when I see them out on the porch, but at least I don't panic anymore. I just say, okay, fine. When you're done with my porch, I'll, I'll take over. <laughs> you know, so where before she'd go into uh, what a panic attack. When she mm -hmm. saw that, but once she understood why she was doing that, we were able to help her with that. So I guess I kind of done it. No, no, that's fine. And it's interesting. One, you brought up my mother, which I had a very difficult life relationship with my mother. And two, I when I was five years old, we would go out to my dad's family in um, Southeast Colorado, which is all prairie land, basically a ranch land or whatever. And my great aunt was digging out a foundation to build a cellar because she lived outside of town. It was hard to go get groceries in the wintertime. So they're digging out this cellar and all of a sudden here comes all these snakes out on this bucket. Uh, <laughs> that, uh -oh. 
And so they put it back down in there. Of course, being in Colorado, everybody has a gun, you know, <clears throat> at that time they did out in the Southwest. And so they just called everybody and they started shooting the, and killing the, the snakes. Well, my brothers, these rocket scientists fools started grabbing these snakes. They weren't fully dead. They're hissing and carrying on, but they were like King snakes. Um, most there was no, they were all non-poisonous, like yeah, right. snakes and stuff like that. Well, they grabbed it. I'm six years old and they're chasing me around my great aunt's yard with these snakes. And I'm literally in fear for my life and I'm running. And for th that incident, and I had three older brothers. So all three of them took their turns. You know, they just thought it was funny that I'm screaming like this little girl running across the yard, jumping fences into pastures with horses and everything else didn't care. And so my great, my great aunt said, Hey, y'all need to stop. So I have, I had fears with snakes. My husband, <laughs> I will literally, if I'm driving down a road and there's a snake crawling across the street, if my car goes up, my feet are off the floor. I'm not pushing <laughs> on the gas pedal. I'm not pushing on the brake. I'm not pushing on anything. I'm hanging onto the steering wheel so we don't crash. Okay. That's, just, that's where the panic was. And as time and working through it, it was like, uh, I'm not doing that anymore, but I understand the panic. I understand the fear. I absolutely do. Yeah, she said she would just, she couldn't even breathe. It was horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Um, and now it's horrible. I was holding my breath the whole time because I'm doing, and I would go really, really fast if I saw it and then pick up my feet, hold my breath and just wait for me to get past it. And it's like, okay, we made it. Let's go. As if the snake was going to pick up the car and throw it or whatever. You know, I mean, it was just, it was unrealistic, but a fears are usually unrealistic. They are very much so. so. Yeah. With with the time that we've had, is there anything you want to bring up that I haven't asked about your life, your past, things you would like my audience to know about you? I think you're an amazing individual. I have to say that. I have oh, been a you. You for many years. And again, when I, I started talking about showcasing people, passions and purpose, you were one of the first five I thought of. Oh, wow. Thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. And I, I just, I guess the most important thing for me would be that people realize that I am strictly a vessel. I, I'm a vessel um, for all um, that is to be at this time in life. And we don't know what it all always is going to be. And asking questions is always good, but I learned early on as I was unfolding and I had mentors and and things were happening to me to maybe not ask so many questions. Just move forward and let everything unfold the way it's going to unfold. Sometimes it's kind of like the light language, you know, people want to pick it apart and they want to know what it is. And you, you just need to realize that light language is for your soul. It is for your soul. Your soul is longing for it. I honestly believe that. When we, when we create our life path in this lifetime that we've come into, there's a certain time that, that we cross each other's path. And, and that was determined before we were born. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like if, um, if a person realizes that they're going to reach that point on their path to receive the light language, to activate the light language, as long as they trust and they believe and they know that they're, they, they may understand it at some point what they're saying uh, are bits and pieces of it because oftentimes I do now. And even, even when I'm doing a client, sometimes I'll, I'll get English words in my light language. 
I'll get them, but I won't be speaking them. And um, that's why I said that. Then they, uh, that's because they want me to take that session in, in their direction, in a certain direction, which is really cool. But I'm the vessel that has been chosen to do this kind of work. And um, I just feel very grateful. I have a, a wonderful support team. I have a great family. I have three grown children and a whole bunch of grandchildren and great grandchildren and um, a very supportive husband that's given me the opportunity, uh, not only um, supporting me and helping me in everything that I do, um, but financially I'm stable. So I'm able to do this as well. I don't make a living at it. I do it out of my heart basically and enjoy all of it. So that's pretty much that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, I thank you. I thank you. I'm going to put you on pause now, and I'm going to take you off the screen so that we have the opportunity to bring David in so I can talk to David. Wonderful. And then when we get done talking with David, I want to bring the two of you back together okay. and just talk together because I love to see the interaction of the energy. So that is the whole purpose. Of that. <laughs> so hold on one second. Okay, go ahead. I've taken you off camera. You, if you want to go ahead and have David come on in and have a seat, and we can have a a talk. Okay. Um, the second half of this this interview with Linda and David is David, and David uh, um, has written a a book. I haven't read this book, but I have seen Linda's in the past, and I've I followed Linda for a while. So I'm excited to talk to David and find out the other side of the story, the backstory to all of this. So let's welcome David into our our platform. Hi, David. How are you, sir? Hi. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, and thank you for sharing Linda's story to all your audience. It's amazing. Amazing. Well, I just, I just want to showcase um, people who step up and step out to help others and do it in their own special way. And so that uh, I've listened, I've known Linda for a couple of years, just listening to her. It's not like I was one of the people that stepped out, but I just recently retired from my J-O-B. And for the last six months, I've been preparing for this to do my J-O-Y, which is putting my message out there and showcasing people, ordinary people that do extraordinary things for other people. So I'm kind of curious because I have, my husband is Catholic, devout Catholic, and I'm not, I'm spiritual. So I'm understanding from Linda earlier, she said that, you know, you're non-psychic. It's not like you have any of these gifts. So how did you understand um, to write this book? What was it, what did you do to start writing this book about Linda's and her ability? Well, it was, it was a, it's a simple story, really. Uh, I was a lawyer all my life. And earlier I was an engineer as well. So I was well grounded in material things, right? And when Linda, all her abilities started to evolve, uh, I thought, wow, I better find out more about this. And I discussed things with her and uh, got some more information from books. And I said, wow, I'm going to prepare a book, write a book for people who are skeptics. And there's a lot of them out there. There are. 
or people who are half skeptics and, well, maybe I need some more information to start thinking about this. So I, in the book, I list several different levels of interest. And bear in mind, I'm not a skeptic. I'm not a, well, I was, but I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a person who uh, is a total psychic. I am not a psychic. I am not a medium, and I don't want to hold myself out to be such a thing. I was a lawyer, trial lawyer, for 39 years in the courts. And uh, moving on. So I lifted several different levels of interest from zero, total skeptic, or maybe any information, which was me. And then I moved up to the level of people who are very interested, in fact, might even be psychic. So that was the level of interest that I thought I could attract in this book which I think it does pretty well, if I can toot my own horn just slightly. Um, so that was, and so I had to go back and do research about what psychics were, what people uh, did who were mediums, not Linda necessarily, she came in later in the book. And spirits, spirits in the spirit world, people who she contacts for clients. That was a tough part, tough part. So the book is written for all interests in psychics, mediums, and spirits. And that's what I did. I hope I hope uh, readers get that uh, attitude about it, and or at least are informed about it. But I am no, not a psychic, I am not a medium, and don't ask me to do things <laughs> Linda did a good job with your interview. I was, I, I couldn't believe. I know she looks like my daughter, but she's really my wife. Uh, it's okay. I have this, everybody says that the same thing about my husband. He's eight years older than I am. So the thing is, is they're like, is that your girlfriend or is that your daughter? You know, it's like, well, oh, that's my wife. But, oh, he goes, I stole the cradle. He goes, I robbed the cradle is what he says. No. I, 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 we have so many similarities, but... I love the fact that you as a non-believer were open up, open up enough to say, wow, this is different. This is unusual. Let me find out. And we're inquisitive about finding out because a lot of people just exactly. shut the blinders down and say, okay, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's baloney, right? It's, uh, it's, it's like, my husband says, oh, you're doing your hoodoo voodoo stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You know, I, I I tried to find out whether there were uh, investigations or uh, any kind of measurements, any kind of uh, measurements of public interest in this, and I found two or three. They're in the book that are statistically involved in the, in determining how people are the number of people and what they did believe in, in the psychic and the spiritual world. And I did find a couple and I uh, cite them in the book. It's, it is a little thin. I don't think the, the pollsters did a very good job, but it's there. Uh, 
and a lot of people don't the, speak of it. We're, we're, we're the minority of human beings uh, in beliefs, but I think I, I go into what the new age is in the book. We hear that expression frequently. Mm -hmm. And then I speculate in the book what the next age is going to be. I call it the great age after the new age. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good for spirituality and psychics and mediums. And I go in the, in the book, there's a little part of it as to how it will be accepted in the, in the great age to come. Yeah. And how it's going to be accepted by even theologians, I think, and people in the courts, because we know that these spiritual things have been used in the courts to some degree, looking for missing persons, looking to try and solve crimes. And it's, it's going to be more accepted, more accepted. I I actually do uh, for people whose family members have fallen off the planet, just fallen off the planet. They don't yeah. know where they are. They're yeah. missing. And so far I have uh, solved four cases and one of them being my own niece. No kidding. Yes. So I did. She uh, went to her boyfriend's house and disappeared, fell off the planet. And I kept telling the police, you know, it's the boyfriend, it's a boyfriend, it's a boyfriend. And I finally told them, I said, they hadn't done an investigation. They hadn't even spoken to my sister to get a timeline. Where were you? What did you do? How did you do? When's the last time you saw her? Frequent of law enforcement. Very crazy. I agree. And I agree. Small towns aren't prepared to handle cases no. like this, in my opinion. They don't. And But the lead detective, the detective sergeant was at least open enough to talk with me about my gifts. And this one detective started talking to my sister. They called me and said, oh, I can't find her. I can't find your sister. And I said, well, she's here. And they said, where's here? And I said, she's at my home in Tennessee. And he says, oh, what is she doing there? And I said, well, one, you've not interviewed her. Two, you've not done a timeline. Three, I've done a forensic investigation on my niece's Facebook page till you removed it. And I gave them a list of names. And they said that they had actually... Uh, had talked with these specific individuals and they all said that they didn't know anything. And this detective started getting really not the, not the detective sergeant, but the, another investigator got really sharp with my sister and making implications that she could be a suspect in her own daughter's disappearance. And I said to him, and I said, when you arrest the mother of the boyfriend, you will find out what they did with Kayla. And he's like, oh, she's upstanding. She's this, she's that, she's this, she's that. 13 months to the day, sir. The neighbor had got caught up in drug charges. So he agreed to wear a mic. You being an attorney is the reason why I'm telling you the story. So he went next door and started talking to them. They didn't admit to killing her. He, the boyfriend didn't admit that, but they admitted to, you know, um, they didn't want to hurt her family. So they took her out to this remote location. They tried to burn her body so that nobody could identify her. And then when that didn't work, they wrapped her up in a Mexican serapa and stuck her in an irrigation pipe outside of Fort Morgan, Colorado, which is all ranch land. It's, it's all, it's all farmers. They, they all grow everything. So it's flat and all they do is grow. 
So anyway, so they arrested the mother and with 24 hour, within 24 hours, the son had said, if you'll reduce my mother's bond so she can get out of jail, I'll show you where we put Kayla's body. Never admitting to killing her, but he did. So they told me I needed to find a gun or a body part where he shot her. They're convinced he did do it, but I need that for prosecution for him for murder. You know, Linda did not mention in her interview with you that she has done a couple of cases like that to trying to find people who are missing or suspected dead. And she's done very well about that. I know she didn't mention it, but I did want to throw it into your interview. No, that's that's fine, because most most of the time I don't speak of this. I don't charge for this. I don't take money for this. It comes from my heart because I don't want anybody else's family to know what I know and feel when my right. niece fell off the planet. And then because she had had an incident earlier with police, they listed her as a missing person and could do nothing for 40 to five days. And you know, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, it, so it was just, it was just crazy. So this is why I do it. I don't look for cases. It's whatever comes to me. Yes. And then I do whatever I can to help. She, Linda did not mention, of course, as I said, but sometimes she is requested by friends or relatives or somebody, you know, a stranger. She may have a session with someone who I call a stranger that may ask for that help. But she's done a couple of cases like that. There's one thing I wanted to mention, if I may. Sure. Linda. Sure, absolutely. And she didn't mention that she has had a number of channel sessions, which come on in the in the evening hours, actually early morning hours, from Mother Earth, from God, from some other people, spiritually people, and. All of those messages are in this book, and it's astounding. And the part that's really astounding is that she didn't know what she was writing down. It was it was not uh, consciously. She only consciously scripted them. It was some message from all of these entities. And they're all in the book, every one of them, and it's astounding. And the, the other side of this coin is what I wanted to call your attention to was they kept calling her, uh, she's a messenger, and she is working on opposing stuff that's going on Earth. The black, from Linda, what do I want to say? No, no, you're a, you're a light worker. You're a light worker to overcome evil, the badness in the world. And there's some amazing, absolutely amazing things that she has channeled from the people who have said she is a light worker. Not anything to do with light language. She is a light worker to bring light in the earth to all overcome evil, darkness. I love that. It's amazing. I, I absolutely love that because my intention this year after 2020, which was just totally crazy off the chain, um, 
was to allow the truth, the truth that whatever was done in the dark to allow it to come to truth so that we can heal it. As long as it's in the dark, it can't be touched. But the minute it comes to light, we can heal it. We can address it. We can go through whatever we need to do to help it not happen again. And so that was my intention. And it's kind of interesting that you're bringing this up. That was my intention coming into 2021. So I'm not a light worker. Um, I'm extremely intuitive, extremely um, uh, knowledgeable. I do hear many things. Um, last night I've been working, I've been working on a case out West and last night I literally heard a motorcycle and I went to my husband cause I use him as my, my bounce offer. Like I'm sure Linda looks to you, goes to you like, Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? So I went to him and I said, honey, did you hear a motorcycle driving around the house? And he says, no, honey. And I said, okay, I just checking because, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this weird stuff and, and it's just like, if I feel like my, I, I've got like a head, my head hurt in the back. And as I was um, channeling this person and it was like, wow, I, I can feel their pain. I can feel their energy. I can feel, I can hear what was saying, being said to them as they pass and leave this world. So I do work with that. I, do, I don't publicize it generally, but I, that's something I do also. And it's very, very important. There's, there's, uh, one thing I wanted, because you picked up on it, there's one thing I wanted to follow up on. Uh, Linda is so gifted, and I am so the other way, except I write down what she's gifted about, and I've gone into it in detail in the book, is the correlation or absence of correlation in spiritual work like she does and religion. And I go into that in some detail in the book to try and bring it all together. There's nothing to be afraid of. And I know through Linda, a lot of psychic people and none of them say that they are not religious. They all think about God in some sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've tried to bring that out in the book so that readers are not frightened of religion as opposed to the kind of spiritual work that she does and what you do. It's, right. Well, I believe, I, I believe our higher power, our God, our creator, our Buddha, Allah is all the same person. It's just what we call them personally in our lives because of what we practice. Yeah. So, I, I try to bring that out in the various, I'm not a theologian, but I try to bring it out that you don't have to be afraid of this because it's, it's real there. And if there's a God, which there probably is, the God is the creator of all of this, the whole uh, uh, spiritual atmosphere, if you will, or the, the, what we're all doing. I've enjoyed the book uh, and I hope, so some people read it and enjoy it and learn more about it. I did a lot of research about spirituality in the in the 1700s and 1800s, and uh, it, that was fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. But I had to get ready for Linda. <laughs> did and you touch on what, what, what did you what did you touch on? Did you touch on like the Druids? 
did you go over to Europe or Egypt or when you were researching that that far back? What I really got into was Alan Kardec. If you ever heard that name, Mm -hmm. he was a Frenchman and uh, his name was Rival, R-I-V-A-L. Alan Kardec is a pseudonym which Spirit asked him to use. And he wrote seven books about this whole thing. And I got them all, I read them all, and it's amazing. And what he did was recount. He is not, he was not, he's not a medium either. He just, like me, he was not a medium. But he had more experience in talking to mediums before I got with Linda. And he wrote down everything about the spirit world. And I got so involved in the spirit world because they were describing spirits to him, which he recorded about the spirit world. And it's unbelievable. And there's certain parts of the book where I try to do the same thing about what certain uh, hypnotists have done about past lives and talking to people about their experience in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. There and it and it's very enlightening, very enlightening. Uh, I, I could go on, but I don't want to. I do have a question for you. If somebody was interested in getting your book, where is it published at? Can you tell me? It's 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 I self-published the book we did, but it's it's available at all major bookstores, Amazon. And, and Amazon. Yes. Target even. Oh, I I love it. I love it. Because the fact is, is I want people to know where they can go and get it. And again, the book is called The Worlds of Psychics, Mediums and Spirits, A Look Inside from the Outside with Psychic Medium Linda Lee Hack. And right. so that's very, very important to know where to get the book at. Um, David, yeah. I, I am impressed with your vulnerability to be able to come on a podcast and talk about this, being a non-believer and, and, and admitting that in public. And so a lot of people that are non-believers don't want to hang out with the believers. It's kind of like a contradiction of terms kind of bit. But I, I, I'm, I'm serious because a lot of people, you know, you hang out with what you, you uh, uh, resonate with, generally people do. And so I just wanted to thank you for being a non-believer and being able to admit it, but say you wanted to find out more because that just shows exactly your heart. What exactly what happened. And I hope... Uh, there's one or two readers who will find out more about it and become a little more up the ladder. Thank you. I wish that too. I, I, whenever I, before I start any podcast, I send out energy of light and love for the best things to happen. One on the podcast and whatever product or item they're wanting to talk about. So I, I do that before I start. So I just wanted to let you know. Um, was there anything else? I, I see that you are a military, you like military history. Is it civil war stuff? How far back do you go? I, uh, yes, I, I collected, yeah, people don't know this, but there was real photography during the American Civil War yes. in the 1860s, right? And there were photographers who photographed battlefields, 
results and so forth. And I did not know this. I didn't know this when I was a young person, long time ago. But I finally found out there were real photographs, not recent ones that made it look like it or fake, so to speak. They're real right. photographs that were taken on the battlefields. So I uh, got interested in that. I, I met a lot of people who were involved in that kind of thing or Civil War buffs. And so to make a long, very short, very I collected them. They were very hard to find, real ones. Very hard. So I went to the auction houses in New York City that would have auctions about old photographs. And uh, I've met a couple of dealers. I spent a lot of time in Gettysburg and talking to the folks. And I did acquire quite a, I had some uh, excess cash at the time. I wasn't married. <laughs> and uh, I accumulated a, a modest collection in terms of what they were. I collected only four large format photographs. And, uh, and eventually, uh, I got some very interesting ones. Now, this is not in the purpose of your interviews here today, but I collected all the photographs who were taken of the people who conspired to kill Abraham Lincoln. Instead of saying, mm -hmm. And I have, uh, they were hung, four of them were hung, executed, <laughs> and I have all the, all the, it's, it's, it's kind of macabre, but I had the last one that was taken was of them swinging on the gallows, and I have the photograph of that. Oh, wow. Which, these are very rare, very rare. Right. So that's where I came from. I got to Linda a long time after my collecting experience, and now we're, now we're into this. And I, I get that. I get that. I just, I just saw the, the cannon behind you because I love military movies. And I had done a past life reading on myself and came up and found out that I used to be in the Roman Empire. That was one of my past lives. So that was my affinity with it. So I midway, I can tell you all of them. I can tell you all, you know, Okinawa, all of the, the World War One, World War Two movies, individuals involved, uh, the storyline for it. And sometimes I don't even have to read a book about it. And I just know because I guess it's, it's yeah. military. Good for you. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, which didn't really come up in your inter interview, is that there is some very interesting material in this book about Linda's past lives, going back to Christ. Very, very good things. Very important uh, disclosures about her past lives. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted us to talk about or mention that I didn't ask? No, you. she's very loquacious. She, <laughs> and she, uh, if it were me, I'd say what an interview that was because she, she's so good and animated and I am not. <laughs> I, was, I just, I lived on the other side of the uh, divide, so to speak. I get it. I get, so does my husband. So I get, I get it. I, I vibe with that. 
I was very cautious because I was a lawyer, and so you don't want to speak something that isn't right. well thought out, so to speak. Anyway, we'll move on to the directions you want to go. Anyway, I appreciate you giving us time on your podcast. Yes, Absolutely. Can we bring Linda in with you now? I'm going to leave you up and just have her sit next to you because the thing is, is just slide over a little bit. There you go. Come on in here, Linda. Get up and close with them, Linda. I'm working on it. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. There you go. There you go. Let me move the camera. Okay. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I went the wrong way. Go the other way. There you go. Tell me when. Perfect. Slide over, slide over, and you'll be perfect. There you go. Yeah, get comfy. What are some, um, with the two of you, I want, I'm kind of like the backstory. When you started coming, when Linda started having these these uh, thoughts and ideas and, and um, channeling light language, did you ever resonate with any of her light language, David? I have to say no. No, <laughs> I did. But uh, I know now, if you call that resonating, I, I know a lot about it, but have I ever experienced it? The answer is no. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, and here's here's the here's the next question: Has yeah. has uh, uh, have you ever asked Linda for like a healing or a reading? No, no. It's it's funny because all these answers you can say no to, my husband can say no to. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I haven't. I really. There you go. Okay, now I'm going to jump in here. Okay? Absolutely. And he just doesn't remember, but I have had his mother come to me, his sister and his dad, um, in moments. And we've talked about that. Um, I've asked him several times uh, if I could lay my hands on him. And uh, it's pretty much the answer, well, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very eloquent about it, and um, so it hasn't happened. Um, he has heard my light language because oftentimes when I'm doing sessions, he can hear me. He can hear me doing the sessions. Um, so he has heard it, and he's also heard me walking around the house singing it and saying it and that kind of stuff. But he has not come right out and, and ask for any attention. That's, that that's the point I wanted to make is that uh, I didn't want to interfere with her entire psychic abilities, and so I never asked about uh, contact with my mother and father. Uh, never did. And we did will. a past life never, on you too. Yeah, never will. Yeah, we did a we did a past life on him on once as well. Um, I don't think he remembers it though. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. Because I, I said to him, I've had my friends say, ask me. And they said, well, Chris, have you ever used light language for your husband? And I said, no. And they say, have you, has he ever asked for, you know, energy? And I said, no. I actually went to him and said, you know, um, do you mind if I send you energy? Because I wanted his permission because you need that to have it happen. And he says, well, um, it's kind of like prayers, right? And I said, Yes. He said, okay, that'd be fine. But it had to be something he resonated with as a devout Catholic to be able to do it. 
Um, I burn a lot of sage and incense here um, as far as sage, sweet, uh, sweet grass and uh, cedar, as far as uh, uh, getting connected. Basically, it's a term I use uh, for people to understand. And it's they're like, my, I have to open up all the windows in the house because sage bothers him. So I wait till he goes to church to do channeling for people um, in lives and different things because it's so overwhelming. So I make, I make concessions for him, but he never asked, never asked, was never interested. Um, I channeled his, my husband's dad, his mother was such a pure, innocent soul. She just was amazing. And so she's, she, she's like, I, I did my life and I have all my answers. I'm not curious anymore. And so, you know, she's perfectly fine. And so I was just curious about with the two of you, um, if you did this for, if, if Linda, if you did this. Being, being a lawyer, I, I know what you asked. And I said, no, because I never asked her to do it. She, <laughs> she divined she just like I did. on her own. Yeah. She uh, asked me like I of self-interest and I don't mind that at all. But I never asked to develop a whole uh, past life or any other uh, interest which may have been involved, like reincarnation. There's a whole section of my book about reincarnation which is, and, and religion. Have they come together or not? Very interesting. Well, so, my husband being a law enforcement officer and retired after 37 years, I get a lot of the same legal responses. So I get it, and which, is, which is kind of funny. And yeah. um, for me being in law enforcement, it was one of these dualities. I couldn't tell anybody what I do because it's just about the facts and only the facts. So it was a difficult road to walk sometimes. So I wouldn't think spiritual. I would just act spiritual. Does that make sense? I would just go along and do it and, and send out the energy because if it if it resonated with anybody, they would feel it. So that's how I had to do it because being in law enforcement, um, I actually got posts. Uh, I finished the police academy here in Tennessee two years ago and I'm 62. So I was the oldest in the class, but I outran 20-year-olds 30 year olds, 40 year olds. I, you know, it was hysterical. I just, I just loved it. And I said, and they said, how do you do it? I said, man, I got a great team that works with me. <laughs> you know, on that, on that note about asking is, you know, I have three grown children and I started doing this work slowly. I never mentioned it to any of my kids and slowly they started picking up little things and little things here. But my philosophy was when they reached the point on their path that they become inquisitive, They'll have their own questions and they'll come to me for them. I'm I'm not here to shove anything down their throat. I'm not here to convince them that I'm somebody's cup of tea. I'm not here for that purpose, mm -hmm. but I'm here if they have questions. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like how I've handled David. I'm here if you have questions, which he asked enormous amount of questions in the beginning. And I'll tell you what, I, I think the very first time we sat down together, he started asking me questions. Don't ask me to recall what they were, but... We must have spoke, I must have spoke with him for about an hour and a half. And when we were all done, he just kind of looked at me, his eyes really big. And he goes, I don't know who was speaking, but you've used terms <laughs> and language that I've never heard out of your mouth before. So I know it's not That's you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> said, That's right. Somebody is channeling. And I believe it was Eric from um, telling Eric that was, was channeling through me. 
to answer David's questions. And I think that's where a lot of a lot of his curiosity began was after that. And that and the channel message that he was talking about, where they would wake me up and then the very first time they woke me up in the middle of the night, I just suddenly woke up and and I'm hearing in this voice saying, Get up, you have to write something. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I'm, it's middle of the night. <laughs> you know? And I finally, you can't, you cannot not do it. Right. And I, I, I got up and I, and I started writing and I was up for about two hours and I went back to bed and the next morning I got up and I showed him what I'd written. And eventually they told me, and, and I always go crazy when I hear that they told me my guides, my angels, whoever it is said that they'll know, I will know that they're waking me. If I look at my, my, phone which lays on my nightstand and if there's a double number after the hour no matter what the hour is if there's a double number after the hour that's us we have a message for you you need to get up and you need to go right and that's what he's talking about and sure enough that way i know do i have to get up and go potty or <laughs> or, or is something going on here so it was more like something's going on here and you need to get up and i would go into my guest bedroom and sit down so i wouldn't bother david and just start writing. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to write. I have no idea. And they just like, well, don't worry about it. Just write down the words that come to you. And when I'm all done and you go back and you read it and it's just like, oh my God. I mean, there is nothing in there that I stated the way I would have stated being Linda Lee, this little girl here, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. Like we said, and all the writings are in there. They're about a year and a half worth of writings in there. And it's like, it was amazing the messages that came through were amazing. I mean, they talked about things that I never even knew about, you know? So that's when, you know, he's like, hmm, where's this all coming from? <laughs> <laughs> Linda, if anybody wanted to look you up on Facebook, where would they look for you? Light Language by Linda Lee. Perfect. I wanted, I wanted to make sure to put out there. And again, the book is The World of Psychics, Mediums and Spirits, A Look from the Inside, From the Outside with Psychic medium linda lee hack and you can find it at any bookstore Target, amazon um i highly highly recommend this book for everybody it as i'm sitting here and i'm resonating with this my heart is is expanding because i do everything from the heart and the heart is expanding and just putting out the love for this book and that it would be worth people's times or time to invest into something to look beyond the ordinary to look beyond to find out why you feel the way you feel when you don't know what's going on the why sometimes you feel deja vu and you don't know why i get that this book might just answer that question for you so i highly recommend it for everybody uh i love the fact that you're both here together with me and took the time out of your day and i want to thank say thank you and i'm very grateful for you I'm going to um, put you guys in that tape, remove you, do the closing, and then I'll bring you back up. Okay. Hang on one second. It takes a special kind of individual to dream their thoughts and ideas and turn them into reality. Linda and David stepped past their fears, stayed the course, and had the courage to follow through to the end. Linda and David Hack, you've championed yourself. We now know who you've become. Thank you for sharing your life, your ideas, your thoughts, and dreams with us here today. Have a great day.